Welcome, Welcome to, to Category, Category is. is. I'm Justin. And I'm Maurice. And you're back with us for another week. Yes. Yes. Now this week, guys, we're giving you a show mm-hmm. similar to ones that we've done before. Yeah. It's just a Q&A, getting to know us, your hosts. Maurice is away on travel this yeah. week. So we're, we're doing a pre-recorded show. So, you know, we can't give you our categories. Like and we usually do. You know, there's yeah. not going to be an I said what I said or a 10 this week. Mm-hmm. But this is an opportunity for our listeners to get to know us um, as we interview one another. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> yes. But again, don't forget to subscribe. Yes. Like, rate, and, and review, review on all platforms where available. Mm-hmm. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify. Spotify. Be sure to check us out on all things social media at Category is Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to write us in. You can send us a listener letter, a realness topic, or suggest a category at CategoryIsPod at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. All right, let's get to it, Maurice. Yes. So what are we drinking for this week? This week we are drinking a charred pineapple margarita. So in this drink we have... Mezcal, yes, which mezcal. is it's kind of like tequila, but it's a little more like smoky flavor. It's smoked, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it adds a different flavor to the margarita, right? And when I was in that um, resort in Mexico, they mm-hmm. had a lot of mezcal drinks, and they yes. were just like, you feel like grown and sexy. They do, a you know. Bit. My boyfriend likes mezcal. Okay, I am not too much of a fan of it because I don't like the smokiness. But uh-huh. I will, I will drink flavor. it because yeah. I always liquor, <laughs> basically. But I, I do prefer regular just uh-huh. tequila. But mezcal is like. It's it's layered. It's, yeah. it's sophisticated. It's a sophisticated. I feel like grown and sexy. Me too. Have, like mezcal. Mm-hmm. So it has mezcal, Grand Marnier, which is a orange uh, flavor liqueur, pineapple juice, orange juice, some lime juice, a couple jalapeno spices. You know, to mm. like spice it up, spicy. And have you ever charred pineapple on the grill? You can do it on the grill, yes. yeah. I love fruit on the grill. Mm-hmm. Peaches, yeah. watermelons. Mm-hmm. I don't do watermelon. Well, because watermelon is kind of watery. But well, I don't pineapple really do watermelon on the grill. because, you know, black people want watermelon. It's oh, a stop. stereotype. I don't stop, do it. please. Not in public. Whatever. <laughs> but I love peaches in the grill. I love pineapple yeah. on the mm-hmm. grill. Grilled avocado. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Something about cooking over an open flame. Mm-hmm. But when you get the smokiness of the mezcal, because yeah. it's just a smoked tequila, mm-hmm. and the smokiness of the pineapple, mm-hmm. oh, it's just, it's, it's a, and then the, the subtle heat of the jalapeno. Yeah, this it takes amazing. it to, like, a new level. And so to char some um, some pineapple, you can put it on the grill. I have a torch, because I do um, like the creme, creme brulee. brulee. Yeah. So you can just, you know. You can sprinkle it with some sugar if you want right. to, like, give some little extra caramelization. caramelization. Or you can just take the torch to it and just... Oh, nice. Quick. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Well, this is a delicious cocktail. You it should try is. it. You know, it's not the most refreshing, but it's nice um, on, like, you know, an evening. I would definitely drink this at definitely. in the evening in yeah. the summertime, yeah. not during yeah. the day. Not during the day. It's not going to be like, oh, I feel refreshed. Mm-hmm. But it is, like, a complex cocktail. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I like it. All right, child. Well, let's good, hop into good. our show. We are not going to go through our regular show run this week. We're just going to do interview questions. <laughs> now, in the past, uh, we've gotten a lot of feedback from people who really actually love these episodes. They do, yeah. And it's a time for you guys just to get to know a little bit more about us. Mm-hmm. But Maurice and I have prepared our own individual questions. Which we have, the other one has not seen. Yes, we have not shared these with yeah. one another. So we are answering them here, in not in real time, because well, it's, it's pre-recorded, mm-hmm. but... You're getting first response answers yes. to these questions. Yes. Okay? Okay. <laughs> now, should we flip the coin on who shall start? Uh, okay. All right, hold on. You have one? I do have a coin. All right, do you want heads or tails, my dear? I like tails. You like tails? Mm-hmm. 
in oh, its head. Okay. So I guess I go. You go first. Oh, no, I thought I get to decide who goes first. Oh, okay. You decide then. Okay, I go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So last time, oh, Maurice gave me shit. Your questions was a mess. So if you guys listened last time, I forget what number that episode was. Mm-hmm. It was a long time ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. It's probably like in like the 120, I don't know. It was oh, a while ago. Yeah. But I asked questions that were pretty subversive. They, That's the, not the they, adjective I would use. I was asking questions like, oh, rank these animals in level mm-hmm. of importance. And then Koala that told bear. him about, like, you know, what he values in terms of life, in terms of career, love, uh-huh. relationships, money. Uh, they were really questions that were aimed at getting at his subconscious. Mm-hmm. This week, because he said the questions were bad. I didn't say they were bad. You did not like my questions. I did not. Okay. Well, this week, since Justin's a bad question <laughs> interviewer person, I decided to ask questions that some of the greatest interviewers of all time have asked oh my God. some of their interviewees. Now, some of these this questions is... are questions that people ask of everyone that they interview. Okay. And then some of these questions are very specific to the person that they're interviewing. Okay. But I want to soft start off with a softball, okay? Okay. And one of the questions I'm going to give is the question that Oprah and RuPaul. Oprah Winfrey, whole Oprah segment, Winfrey, for real. whole segment, yes. <laughs> but also RuPaul's kind of adopted this question. Because okay. I listened to his podcast, uh-huh. uh, What's the Tea with Masala Masa- Massage. Yeah. And um, he always asks this of his guests. And I think okay. it's a really nice question. But I'll get it started off soft okay. with you with this question. Mm-hmm. It is, what is your spiritual practice? My spiritual practice. So I am very connected to the Lord. As you guys know, yes. I grew up in the church, and we went to church like every Sunday. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, my dad was very religious, and his family um, was very religious. And so the church we went to was like their family church, and it was like, you go to the church at this time, every Sunday, you sit in this pew, and you have the word. And, and so we, we were there like literally every Sunday. And my mom wasn't necessarily very religious, but she knew the Lord, and mm-hmm. she adopted the, those principles of, you don't have to go to church every Sunday, because she didn't really go to church that much. Mm-hmm. But if you live your life honestly, with a good heart, and do the right things, then you're pretty much doing the same things that you learn in church. But was she, um, it's a new term I learned, it's uh-huh. called a, a CME Christian. What is that? Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. No. Okay. She wasn't. No, okay. she wasn't one of those. <laughs> and because, you know, she, my mom worked a lot and, you know, she had to work on Sundays, so mm-hmm. she couldn't always go. So she would, she was more about instilling those values in us that right. you would essentially learn in church. And so my spiritual practice these days is I don't go to church. Okay. I, you know, kind of connect with the, teachings that I learned in the church, like, I live my life honestly, I live my life, you know, purely and simply, and... Purely, darling? Are yeah. you sure? We're all sinners. I mean, this 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 charred pineapple on my face is otherwise. Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Okay, Phaedra. Yes. And so, live an honest life. I do good, or what I think is good, and what I have learned is good. And I'm not one of those people where if I'm having a bad day or if I'm having a bad week, I run to the church in order to get some kind of 
feeling of everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Because my granddad, my, my father's father, you know, he was like the deacon in the church and he right. was there every Sunday sitting on the same pew, like mm-hmm. I said. And, you know, he pulled me aside one day. Because I, I don't... We kind of, I guess, had that connection. He pulled me aside one day and he was like, you don't have to go to church every day, every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. I was like, well, why not? And he said to me, the biggest sinners are in church. Sorry, that's the truth. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? And that kind of opened my eyes. And I was like, you know what? You got a point. Mm-hmm. Because everyone, if they have sinned, they're doing wrong, they're doing whatever, people think if I just go to church, I'm absolved of all of that and I can keep doing what I'm doing. Right. And so he was like, you know, that man cheating on his wife, that man's a drunk. This woman, you know, is doing drugs. It's like right. so much stuff going on there. And so, you know, me being a little gay boy, going to church, <laughs> I'm like in a Baptist church at that in mm. the South. And every week they're like pounding these messages into your head. And it's just like, mm, they're like anti-gay. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, maybe this is not the place for me. I can still live my life purely, simply, doing the best that I can with what I got mm-hmm. and being an honest, good person. And that's kind of where I practice my spirituality and the acts that I do. Okay. Not necessarily the religion, which is the practice of going to, to somewhere every day mm-hmm. to do whatever. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I kind of feel like I'm the same way because mm-hmm. I don't really go to church, but I just try to live my life purely, honestly, mm-hmm. and, be, and be at peace with myself mm-hmm. and my maker, mm-hmm. my creator, God as a black woman. Um, but, you know. Do you pray? Do I pray? I meditate. So, like, meditation, okay. I would say, is one of my spiritual practices. Okay. Um, you know, I kind of... But you don't pray. But I consider meditation to be prayer. But do I get on my knees and pray to God and do the whole four-across thing? Mm-hmm. No, not technically. But I think that... I mean, my own thing is that... I know it's controversial what I want to say, but I am God. I'm oh. not the God, but God lives within me. So I'm a child of God, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if how can I be a child of God but not be God myself? Like I'm not oh. the God. I'm not the God. I'm not the omnipotent. I'm not the creator. Mm-hmm. But there is godliness within me. That's true. There's godliness within all of us. Right. And the way that I praise God is through connecting with myself mm-hmm. and my own godliness. And I find that when I meditate, I'm having a conversation that is divine one. And, you know, okay. when I meditate, oftentimes, sometimes I feel like my brain has been washed over. Okay. Like, my brain feels like it just got, like, a deep clean and a condition. Okay. And I feel a sense of zen and clarity. And to me, that is, like, the afterglow of having a really good conversation with God. Because God, then, mm-hmm. it, when I meditate and I'm conflicted on, some, some, on something, mm-hmm. I leave having an answer. Okay. Because I think God spoke to me. I don't necessarily hear a voice that's like, Justin, you mm-hmm. need to do X, Y, Z. But I, it's a feeling for me. Okay. But that's it, you know. But I feel like, you know, like, do you meditate? Do you journal? Do you pray? Do you, you know, listen to podcasts? You know, <laughs> just Joel Austin. There's, you know. No, because he is a he. No, it's the other one. What's the other one? I'm the black one? No. Um, one of these. Evangelist. Yeah, he's in trouble right now because he got a Me Too movement against him. Robbins? 
Tim Robbins? Yes. Yes. Okay. Ooh, child, yes, he got a lot going on. Oh, there's a cute but, one though. That's the church, the uh, the church in North Carolina. Which one? Oh my god, why am I thinking? Oh my god, I'm forgetting the name of the church, and I follow him on Instagram. He's so cute. Not, not Justin Bieber. No, 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 no. Okay. I want to say Hillsong. I don't know. Oh, the guy I follow on Instagram. He's super, mm-hmm. super cute. His name's Stephen Furtick. Okay. He's the pastor at Elevation Church. It's one of the newfangled churches and hipster oh, churches. Yeah. You know, I used to go to one here in Philly. Yeah, me too. Um, but he's cute. He's fine. <laughs> I used to go to the hipster one. It was like a black hipster one. Mm-hmm. But then me and my friend Camille, well, Camille discovered that the pastor was like plagiarizing all of his sermons. And she's a professor, isn't she? Yeah, she so is. So she does not take to plagiarism lightly. At all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we stopped going there. Oh, no. But the question was, do I, pr- do I pray? Was specific, do, like, cause I feel like your answer was, you know, I just live my life the best I can. And that's mm-hmm. an adequate answer because mm-hmm. I think that's actually the best answer. Mm-hmm. But do you have a specific spiritual practice? Not a religious one, but just a spiritual practice. No, like if I'm going through something, I, I'm like Sissy Houston. I pray about something, but I only pray about it one time. Okay. And you give it to God and he will do mm-hmm. what he's well, going to do. Well, I know you listen to Mariah Carey sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's a spiritual practice. I mean, not that you're praising well, Mariah. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, I do, but. <laughs> 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 but I listen. But I think that she's an outlet for you to connect to your higher self and your our being and your internal, internal soul. She does have a lot of inspirational songs. They're not necessarily gospel, but they They're do gospel have a adjacent. theme. Yeah, <laughs> they have a gospel adjacent theme, and so yeah, if I'm going through like a hard time, I will listen to that in order to lift me up or give me the confidence that I can push through, awesome, and get through. Okay, at now that moment. My first question to you. My questions are not that deep. Well, mine's aren't all that deep either. Mm, they get okay. the way I have them ordered is like. You know, mountains. There's peaks and valleys. Okay, okay. So my first question to you is, what is the one question that you can ask someone in order to find out the most about them? This is actually a pretty revealing question. Mm-hmm. One thing I find, um, is this about a romantic partner or like a friend? Because um, I, I target my questions based upon who it is. Who it is. Well, do both. Okay. Yeah. So a question I always ask my romantic partners mm-hmm. is, how do you feel about your ex? Ooh, uh-uh. That is too much. Okay. Now, <laughs> I know that it is a really loaded question. That is. Right? Yeah. You can find out whether or not, based upon their response, whether or not they're really over that person. Okay. Because if they're really too upset or they're mm-hmm. angry or they're okay. still kind of mm-hmm. in it, mm-hmm. you're, that's, that's caution. That's one thing, yeah. Red flag, mm-hmm. back away. Because they're mm-hmm. still so in it if they're still angry and bitter. Now, it depends on, like, did they break up two weeks ago or is it two years ago? So okay. you, there's some there's some mitigating mm-hmm, factors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's always a question. It's like, well, you know, how, not what's your relationship like with your ex, because mm-hmm. I don't have relationships with all my exes, mm-hmm. but it's how do you feel mm-hmm. about them? Because mm-hmm. that has to just deal with you. Um, but it lets you just know, like, you know, well, what happened? What was the, the demise at the end of that relationship? And, um, you know, where are you now? Because... I find that sometimes people can still be kind of caught up in the uh-huh. the, the dramas of their past relationships, right. and they can carry that into the new one. So I think that's really telling information. Now, again, you don't want to ask that on a first date. I was going to say. But that's definitely <laughs> like third, that? fourth date material okay. questions. Okay. And again, it's not like what's your relationship like with your ex, because that's mm-hmm. a presumption. But it's how do you feel? Mm-hmm. Just how do you feel about them? You know, mm-hmm. if they're like, oh, they ain't about shit, fuck them, da, da, da. 
It, okay, wow. Because it's just, well, what do you, how do you value the people that you bring into your life? And, you know, yeah. we all have been done wrong, mm-hmm. you know, but it's just, you know what? I care about that person. Mm-hmm. They, they, they meant something to my life. I wish them nothing but the best. It kind of lets you know how they'll deal with, with um with potential, your not your breakup oh. per se, but just with like issues throughout the relationship. Are, okay. are, you know, I find that when I ask people, you know, what happened with your ex mm-hmm. or how do you feel about them? And mm-hmm. it's going to lead into a deeper conversation. Course, yeah. But, you know, there's some people who are like, oh, it was all their fault. It had nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Like that's indicative of things that you'll get into later. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I think it's, it's a very revealing question in a romantic situation. Okay. But the key is not asking it too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also don't want to ask it too late. I ask it fairly early on. You do? I, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know how you feel about your ex. But also, I'm a person. I'm friends. You know, you're an ex. I'm friends with mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have other exes. I'm not friends with them. But if you hear me speak of my exes, mm-hmm. I say I speak the world of them. I, I build them up. They're amazing mm-hmm. men. They're but awesome. Then, they're brilliant. They're intelligent. They're kind. Did they have flaws? Absolutely. Did I? Yes, I did. Okay, did good. they make poor decisions? Yes. Did I make poor decisions? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I wish them nothing but the best, even if it's not with me. I want them to find love and fulfillment and happiness. But see how that sounds? I don't sound bitter because mm-hmm. I've, I've actually worked through it yeah, and I got a yeah, therapy yeah. bills to show it. <laughs> but you know when people are still caught up, but when people are still caught up in it uh-huh. you can tell yeah. it's, 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 it's very very revealing because people think the opposite of being in love with someone is it's hate is the hatred of them and mm-hmm. it's like no like if but how can I you hate truly... someone that you have loved that shows poor judgment well in some in some instances that too but the emotional connection to that because hate is an emotion it is it's the so strongest you're emotion still like hating them you still have an emotional connection to them so the opposite of love isn't hate it's indifference like if if we can ex- coexist in the same room and right. you know it'd be cordial and mm-hmm. no animosity and you know we can we don't right. have to be the best of friends but if we can still get on and right. like you know hang and out not and even cool. that sometimes but to uh-huh. me going off what you said there's two there's only two emotions love and fear Okay. And fear equates to hate, right? Because well, hate is oftentimes based in fear. People hate things because they don't know them or they're afraid of them. It's the unknown, right? Or you've experienced it. And you know or or you experience bad thing. Mm-hmm. And but but hate is because but but if something happened in the past, love mm-hmm. is everlasting. Love is an energy that can't be destroyed, right? Hate is a negative energy. A negative energy can be destroyed, but hate negative energy can live in the past. It can, it can change. Okay, we're not going to get into all that. <laughs> okay. But what I'm saying I'm is that, that hate uh, is, a, is an energy that is not based in hate itself. Because hate is really based in fear. So you only have two emotions, love and fear, right? So I think that when I, tell you, when I ask a question to a romantic partner mm-hmm. about an ex, mm-hmm. and it's the response that I hear is, oh, I hate them, this, that, and the third, what I'm really hearing is fear. Because uh-huh. what happened with them is in the past. And what I hear is that you have fear about the present day and mm-hmm. what could possibly happen in the future. Mm-hmm. Am I still hurt over what happened? Yes. Those are all natural and, and, and to be expected. But to stay, you know what? I have love. It's just to show some maturity. So that's what I ask of romantic partners. Also, it depends on how it ended. It does depend on how it ended. But I've had and some which pretty. Which end you were on? I've had some pretty tragic situations. Yeah. Even if it doesn't work out, I'm always still going to have love for you. Even I want on you to find level. on some level, mm-hmm. even if it's not with me. Mm-hmm. That to me, it's a very telling question, and that's the question mm-hmm. I ask of all my romantic um, suitors. Ooh, another question <laughs> I ask of my friends is: is you know, 
you know, like, what do you value most? I find that the best friendships are mm-hmm. ones that are like family. So when I ask my friends, well, what do you value most? Yeah. And it's my family. Mm-hmm. Then I know that they can be like my extended family. Okay. So those are just the kind of questions I ask to kind of get at people. Um, I don't know. I think for a romantic partner, my question is, how is your relationship with your family? Mm-hmm. Because that's very telling. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So my next question was a question that Barbara Walters, <laughs> the esteemed Barbara Walters, whoa, 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 whoa. asked mm-hmm. Catherine Hepburn oh, okay. in an interview. Okay. So it's Not open with the whole segment. Mm-hmm. What's the next lyric of Barbara Walters, for mm-hmm. real, for real? Mm-hmm. Barbara Walters, she asked Catherine Hepburn, if you were a tree, <laughs> what kind of tree would you be? I would be a magnolia tree. Why? Because it's traditionally southern. Steel magnolias. Yes, yes. And I um, have always loved that. Is it Billie Holiday? Yes. Where she has that big old magnolia. It's Billie Holiday. Yeah, in her hair. And I want to say I feel like Hattie McDaniel wore a magnolia at some point. She did. I think when she accepted the Oscar the for Oscar Gone with the Wind. With Gone with the Wind, yes. It's a strong tree. has a beautiful flower. Very fragrant. Those glossy leaves. It's like driving down Main Street in my town mm-hmm. had like magnolia trees. So it's like Aww. hometown realness. It's like very heritage. Yeah. Ancestry. Mm-hmm. Ancestral realness. Realness. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. What about you? I don't know what kind of tree I'd be. I think I'd, I'd either be like a palm tree or some kind of tropical tree. <laughs> okay. Or I'd be like a fruit-bearing tree. Okay. Like an apple tree or an avocado tree. And you don't want to get down with me. You don't want to eat from my apple tree. All right, Erica. Yes. My next question for you is, what was something that seemed normal in your family when you were growing up, but it seems weird now? Oh, gosh. I'm the exact answer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So my mom had me when she was young. Okay. Um, she wasn't even 20, so leave it at that. Uh, but Still her too. I mean, she was 19 when she had me. But that's, I mean, that's not no tea. That's just, that's my, that's my truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that my mother and I's relationship is a really, really close and unique one. Mm-hmm. I love my mother to the moon and back. She is my inspiration. Mm-hmm. She is the reason I breathe. She's the most important person in my life. Mm-hmm. You know how I'm with my mom. Mm-hmm. I love her. Yeah. I can't even like put into words. She's not like a regular mom. She's a cool mom. She's a cool mom. But she is actually a cool mom. But the thing that I found was that like, you know, growing up that the relationship I had with my mom, my other friends didn't have. And I don't know whether or not that was through virtue of her being younger or just virtue of her being her. But I think that like my mom, we were there was nothing we couldn't talk with her about. Mm -hmm. Whether about it was sex, Mm -hmm. um, sexual positions, Mm -hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm not trying to be that way, but we, it was that open. Mm-hmm. And also being the oldest, mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, my mom was always the cool mom yeah, and the yeah. progressive mom. Mm-hmm. And there were things that I could talk to her about and, and, and tell her about and share my life with that my other friends couldn't okay. and that they kept from their mother. Okay. And that their mother knew a version of themselves that was comfortable for their mother to know. Okay. But me and my mother, my mother's almost like my friend. Mm. There's not. <laughs> no, you know, ma'am. 
My mom knows so much about me. I'm not going to say uh-uh. she knows everything about me because she don't. My mom was like, I'm not one of your little friends. Right. <laughs> and that was a problem because uh-huh. sometimes in growing up, uh-huh. and even now, when people hear the way me and my mom talk, yeah. they get uncomfortable. Like my best bit. friend, my <laughs> can, boyfriend, they're like, oh my test. God, you talk to your mom like that? Yeah. Like, she, like you, you act like she's your sister. Yeah. But... I res- but people get it twisted. I respect my mother to the utmost. Okay. Yeah. But definitely. me and my mother have a certain there's a certain realness with our relationship. My mm-hmm. mom can check the shit out of me. Oh yeah. But you know what? Mm-hmm. Most kids can't do with their mom. They can't check their mom. Mm-hmm. Now get now I'm not saying I'm out here cursing my mom out because I'm not. Mm-hmm. But I can have an honest conversation with my mom mm-hmm. about I can be her mirror in a way that many mm-hmm. children can't be a mirror to their mother. Mm-hmm. And to have that intergenerational mirror. Mm-hmm. It can only be based upon a foundation where the parent allowed that to be so. And I respect my mother. I don't challenge her decisions mm-hmm. or how she chooses to live her life or or what she's or what she chooses to do. But my mom can come. You know, most kid most parents don't ask their children what what they think. My mother always wanted to know what I thought when you were growing up. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh-uh. you know, and it wasn't like about her adult affairs. It was mm-hmm. always age appropriate. Mm-hmm. But I've never felt like I couldn't give my mom my full opinion. Okay. And I'm real with my mom, and my mom's always real with me. Mm-hmm. And she's my best friend. And I feel like that's a relationship that most of my friends don't have. Okay. But and it's just, it's, it's, it is very different because some people find it odd just the way I interact with my mom. Mm-hmm. But I never disrespect her, but I can talk with my mom about some subjects that may be taboo to speak with your mother in front of. You know, I can drink in front of my mom, I can mm-hmm. talk about. I don't do that. You know, I can talk about wild, crazy things I've done. Do My mom will either. tell me about wild, crazy things she's done. Ooh, and we, uh-uh. You know, it, it never, like, crosses a line. Uh-huh. We don't get into the nitty-gritty details. Yeah. But the thing that I found is that much earlier than my peers, uh-huh. I was able to see my mother as a fully realized woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. not just mommy. Uh-huh. She was a woman who made mistakes, uh-huh. who always tried her best, uh-huh. and... I was able to see her. You know, I didn't know all the business growing up. I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm, again, there were certain things that I was shielded and protected from as a yeah. child. Mm-hmm. But there was always a sense of realness, and I truly, truly appreciate that. And that's mm-hmm. a relationship that we formed. And I understand that it's different for many people. Yeah. But I would say to answer your question mm-hmm. is that is the thing that is most different that I noticed that I that I have from other people is my relationship with my. Mom, but you think it's weird now? Oh, I do think honestly, mm-hmm. just the way that me and my mom interact. Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends be like, You guys act like siblings, Y'all not do. like mom and dad. Oh, not mom, sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry, I'm, we're a little drunk, not like, not like mother and son, right? Okay, but I can say that my sisters, and even I'm 10 years older than my youngest sister, yeah. she acts that way too. Mm-hmm. But I can say that the relationship that each of us have with our mother is so strong mm-hmm. and solid. You know, I remember even being an adolescent, there was lots of things that some of my peers kept from their mom Mm -hmm. about, you know, sex Mm -hmm. or dating Mm -hmm. or, you know, Mm -hmm. temptation to do drugs or wanting to drink alcohol that I didn't keep from my mom. You know, there was a certain transparency that we had, the connectedness that we had, Mm -hmm. that there wasn't nothing to hide. Okay. You know? I had to rely on my friends to know about sex because my mom told me. We (laughs) talked about it. You know, um, if I felt like I wanted to drink, you know, I might have had a little swig of something at the home. If you're going to drink, I prefer <laughs> you do it in the house. <laughs> Is there alcohol in this? But, I, not, but at the same want. time, I'll say this. Mm-hmm. My mom was a single mom. She had her first child mm-hmm. at the age of, what, 19, mm-hmm. well, 18, 19. And 
all of her children. I have I'm a, I'm an attorney. Mm-hmm. My my middle sister has a master's degree, mm-hmm. and my youngest sister, who's ten years younger than me, is working on a master's degree. Mm-hmm. Those are odds that we should not have been able to Y'all achieve. Got the bomb adversity score. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but honestly, I can't but say the common uh-huh. denominator and what that's attributable to. Yeah. Despite me and my sister's personality differences mm-hmm. and who we are inherently as people, our own truest selves. Mm-hmm. Is our mom, yeah. and that's an honor to her. Mm-hmm. Who do you know out here who grew up in a nuclear family with a mama and daddy, a two-household income, all sorts of things, case, and yeah. all three of their children got postgraduate degrees? Mm-hmm. It's rare to even find that. But the fact that my mother was able to do that mm-hmm. is a testament to her yeah. and the relationship that she built with her children. Mm-hmm. She ain't play. Mm-hmm. We had expectations. We had to get good grades. Mm-hmm. We had to pull our weight at home. Mm-hmm. We had to be respectful. We had to be kind. Mm-hmm. We were always the most, the, we used to get comments when mm-hmm. we go out and shop. Your children are so well behaved. Mm-hmm. Your children are so polite. Your yeah. children are so kind. Yeah. But that's because she instilled it in us. But not only that, we, of course, we had a healthy fear of our mother. Mm-hmm. Cause she she beat me enough. No, with that belt, <laughs> okay. I probably got the most beatings. I know that's right. As the oldest, yeah. But I never felt like I had to hide things from her. Okay. I couldn't be my honest self with mm-hmm. her or true with her. Or I couldn't go to her in a hard time for advice mm-hmm. and, and and be afraid that she'd judge me or not mm-hmm. be there for me. Cause I've okay. gone to my mother in in harsh times. Mm-hmm. And she didn't judge me, and she was there. Yeah. So I feel like, and I'm not saying that most people's parents weren't there, but I don't have the trepidation. Mm-hmm. Like when I talk to my friends as an adolescent, I'm like, oh, well, tell your mom, and they would act like that would be the end of their world. Oh, Absolutely yeah. not, no, no, way. no way. When that was my first move was mm-hmm. to tell my mom. Mm-hmm. And okay. let me tell you, telling my mom first mm-hmm. saved me a lot of pain and heartache okay. because sometimes, especially as an adolescent, mm-hmm. you need an adult who's wiser who's experienced life, mm-hmm. and who has some money <laughs> to get you <laughs> to out of get some you things. out of that situation. Did you ever see this interview, and it was an Oprah interview, actually, with Vanessa Williams and her mother? No. So Vanessa, Former Miss America Vanessa Williams? Yes. Okay, because you yes. know there's also Vanessa L. Williams. Yeah, well, yeah, this is the real Vanessa Williams. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. So she was on Oprah with, with her mother, and her mother was, like, very strict. At some point, Vanessa... Um, like snuck some boy into the house mm-hmm. and her mom caught her and so her mom took the door off of her bedroom mm-hmm. and she was like you don't deserve privacy oh my god right <laughs> and so Oprah asked her some some question I forget what the actual question was but the mom said she has friends I am her mother right and you know that kind of instills a level of like the hierarchy Like, I'm the mom, you're the kid, Mm -hmm. fall in line and do what I say. And so I do think that sometimes, like, it is good to have that relationship with your parent. I feel like as an adult, yes, absolutely. Because growing up, my mom was kind of more like Vanessa Williams' mom. Like, I'm the the, the authority here. Mm -hmm. You're the child, I'm the mother. But relationships are based on time. Yeah, and I think that growing up, because my mom was raising three boys. In the South. In the South. Black boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she needed to instill some some things in us. Right. And so, yes, absolutely, my mom had to be the authority. And at that point, I didn't think that, yeah, I could go to my mom and talk to her about anything. But now my mom is, like, my best friend. Right. Like, I talk to her all the time. Like, 
me and my, and my brothers do too. And so it's always funny, like when I call my mom, she's like getting off the phone with one mm-hmm. of my brothers. And so like we all have this, you know, kind of relationship where we communicate like so often because, right. you know, she is like our best friend. So my next question is also a question from Barbara Walters. Okay. And, and Barbara Walters is a prolific interviewer. She is. I um, formidable. Well, some people don't think so, like Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Well, fuck her. Yeah. But my question is, my interviewers are all women from here on out, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, and there is one man, but I might not mm-hmm. use this question. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this question was also from Barbara Walters in her 1996 interview with Robert Kardashian. The father? The father of the Kardashians. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you think O.J. Simpson is guilty? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come on. It was just to be funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> but answer the I... question. <sighs> okay. I mean, he got acquitted of that. So, the, you know. I, uh, do I do I think he did it? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. And why? <laughs> I... I don't know why he did it. I just believe he did. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't explain it. But Do you remember that happening? Yeah. Okay. I remember the. I remember more so the trial because I remember we were in the cafetorium mm-hmm. at school. We were sitting there and all the teachers were like invested in it. And it was the day they were um, going to announce the verdict. Mm-hmm. And so I remember we were at lunch and then... For some reason, lunch like went on and on and on. I was like, "Why are we still sitting here? Like, I'm trying to get to science class because we got like science projects due next week. I'm trying to like get my stuff together." My science teacher was just like glued to the TV because they had it like on that rolling like cart cart thing, and she they turned to the channel and we we're just watching. I was like, "What is going on?" And they announced that he was not guilty, and every teacher in there, the white people, mm-hmm. like lost their shit. They marched us back to class, and my teacher, who was a white woman, she started throwing shit like all over the classroom. <laughs> yeah, Something was going I, on. I was a little bit younger, but I vaguely uh-huh. remember like my neighbors and stuff, people in my community where mm-hmm. I lived, being really happy that day. Oh, okay, but I didn't connect the two and two. Mm-hmm. The main thing I remember about the O.J. Simpson trial was that my mother was pissed because it was interrupting her stories. <laughs> um, I also remember watching Johnny Cochran mm-hmm. and seeing the playbacks on the evening news and yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. And I would ask my mom, like, what does he do? She's like, he's uh-huh. a lawyer, he's a lawyer. Uh-huh. And that was probably the earliest memory of me, like, wanting to be a lawyer. Oh, well, yeah. And then the um, defining moment of me wanting to be a lawyer on mm-hmm. my own mm-hmm. was um, Maxine Shaw from Living Single. Oh, okay. She was one of the, you know... I thought you would prefer Regine. I did prefer Regine. She okay. was my favorite. Okay. But I didn't want to be a Regine. Okay. I wanted to be Maxine. Okay. But they were my two favorite characters. Okay. But Maxine wanted me to, that's what wanted me to be a lawyer okay. in my earliest okay. memory. Okay. But gotcha. okay, child. Okay. So my next question to you is what are two things that you would never spend money on? It's hard to say never, right? Because people change and we evolve. And when no. we change and we evolve, the things mm-hmm. that we want change, right? But there's one thing that, I'm not a car person, right? Okay. So I'm, 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 I'm dating someone who's a car person. He likes mm-hmm. luxury vehicles and fancy mm-hmm. cars. Me, not so much. Okay. I'd rather take public transportation. Okay. Um, I don't keep a car clean. Mm-hmm. To me, it's just I want a safe, reliable vehicle that can get me from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. All these bells and horns and status symbol of a vehicle is not something that 
I would really spend money on. Okay. Although it would be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just not something I think I would spend money on. Okay. So one is like a like a ridiculously like luxury vehicle. When you okay. hear people paying like you know a hundred thousand dollars plus on a car, mm-hmm. I just think that's insane. Yeah. Personally, so that's something yeah. I would never spend money on. Mm-hmm. And another thing I would never really spend money on is um. Ooh, I need two? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Because I like to spend money. <laughs> Even that on explains spend. a lot of problems. Ooh, shut up, <laughs> shady bitch. Um, another thing I would never spend money on. Ooh, I know. Um, like vegan leather goods. <laughs> because to me, I know that some people support the animals. But I support the environment. Yeah. And to Vegan me... Vegan leather is plastic. I just don't believe in buying plastic items. Yeah. I know that that's going to give me a lot of pushback from PETA and the like. They're aggressive. But, you know, I know that lots of higher-end designers like Michael Kors mm-hmm. and others have now ditched fur. And I feel like the, the, the next marker, mm-hmm. especially for these PETA people, is mm-hmm. to get leather. It, but the leather goods are so widespread, it's going to be yeah. really, really hard for people to give up leather. Mm-hmm. But if one day, like, designers like Michael Kors are like, we're no longer using leather, um, I'm not spending money, designer money, mm-hmm. on vinyl. Yeah. In plastic. plastic. I'm just not. Okay. So um, I would never spend money on artificial luxury imitation skins whether they be leather or fur that's something I would never spend money on I'm Mm -hmm. sorry Versace Gucci Fendi Prada could all come to me and be like oh we have this this brand new season's hot fur coat Mm -hmm. that's made of acrylic and synthetic I'm Mm -hmm. sorry I will never buy it I don't care if it's two dollars I'm not buying it (laughs) so best because I don't believe in that I thought you were going to say sex well, Ooh. you know what? I'm not going to say never. <laughs> I'm not going to say never. Because, you know, I could be like an 80-year-old man one day. Uh-uh, you, I'm, I'm not going to say never. Desperate. And also, I mean, I've never purchased a sex worker, but I also support sex work. But that was one. That was honestly the first thing that came to my head. Really? Like, Ooh, sex. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I was like, oh, but you said never. And I've, I've never done it. But uh-huh. I can't sit here and honestly say to you that I never would. I will never be that desperate, child. Don't, don't, don't lie to yourself. Child, have you seen all of this? Darling, okay. don't lie to yourself. <laughs> Bitch. Okay. Zolly, my next question. Diane Sawyer asked of Whitney Houston in her 2002. <laughs> crack is wet. <laughs> I done made too much money to ever smoke crack. Okay, child. But Diane Sawyer. Show me the receipt. <laughs> Show me the receipts. Yeah. I watched that whole interview today. Yeah. For this. Oh my god, it's comedy. I, I tried to watch like a little segment. I was uh-huh. like, nah, give me the full <laughs> thing, the full hour. <laughs> Whitney tried her. Uh, oh, best, and oh she god. failed. Who, Diane? Whitney. Whitney. Yes. Well, anyway, this I kind of modified this question, mm-hmm. but this was a question that Diane asked of Whitney in her 2002 interview, uh-huh. which aired on ABC. Yes. This is after she performed at the Michael Jackson icon. Yeah, when she was. She was really, really mm-hmm. thin and emaciated. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Diane said, you know, this is after they had a conversation. Diane asked her, was it, you know, was it Coke? Was it, <laughs> was it crack? And then Whitney had her whole response about crack is whack. She said, was it pills? Was it alcohol? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Whitney, she admitted, she said she partied. She mm-hmm. did some things. Mm-hmm. She had fun. She did. But then Diane asked this important question. Oh, my God. If you had to name the biggest devil for you, which is it? Now, my question to you, Maurice, is I'm kind of modifying it. Yeah, I'm addicted, I know you. I'm addicted to making love. 
<laughs> yeah, that's exactly what she said. I'm addicted to making love. My question for you is, basically, in the vein of what Diane Sawyer okay. asked with me in 2002, mm-hmm. but like, what's your biggest vice? Ooh, I had a, the same question for you, but I ordered it differently. Okay. But my biggest vice yes. is probably my stubbornness. Okay. I think I'm a little stubborn. In what way? And so, me and my boyfriend, we do get into, we kind of butt heads a little mm-hmm. bit because, not that I think that I'm right or that he thinks he's right, but sometimes if the way the question or the situation presents itself, we each want to do what we want to do, like in our in our own way. Mm-hmm. Like we want to, you know... If we go to Whole Foods, what do you want for dinner? I don't. I want this for dinner. Well, I want this for dinner. You know, it can it can kind of be minor stuff sometimes, but I think sometimes we do get a little stubborn in what we want to do, and so we we're kind of unrelenting. In okay. That. And so sometimes I do feel like I get a little caught up in wanting to do what I want to do. Okay. And wanting to like have this for dinner because you know that's what I want for dinner but I don't want that oh well and that can get in the way it can get in the way a little bit so some, I think sometimes we do and then it kind of escalates to a, a point where it doesn't need to right and so sometimes I do try to mitigate that or try to you know get to a point where I'm like oh, okay well I see your point mm-hmm. so maybe we sh- I should either not say this but this is what I want to say in this moment. Right. Or this is what I want to do in this moment. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm kind of not reading, like, how he's going to perceive that. Okay. Because it's like, it's what I want to do at that moment. Right. Yeah. So, so how'd you have that question asked of me? And this will count as one of your questions. It will? Yes. What do you realize as a problem within yourself, but you do not want to change? It's that I usually have the, I'm right. Mm-hmm. And I have the right course of action, mm-hmm. and my ideas and mm-hmm. my decisions are the correct ones, and they're the ones that we should follow. Mm-hmm. But that is not. That's what fucked Daenerys up last week. Okay, well maybe I'm Miss <laughs> Targaryen. Yes, I made it far, but not to the end, bitch. Not to the end, bitch. But what I'm saying is, is like, and I think that sometimes I can get confused in ego, but sometimes I'm, I have this unique ability to disassociate myself from the things that I want simply because I want them. Right. So it's not mm-hmm. so subjective. I'm able to really remove myself from matters and situations and look at them objectively mm-hmm. and say, well, this is what's best to serve the needs and the outcomes that are desired from this particular situation, mm-hmm. absent of me. Opposers of those mm-hmm. ideas can think that I am self-motivated in wanting them to become actualized. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. I always think that I have the best idea. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, I mean, I am wrong. But the thing about me is I'm, I'm quick. When I'm wrong, I'll, I'll raise my hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wrong here. I'll admit when I'm wrong. You will? I do. But more often than not, I'm not wrong. I'm usually, <laughs> I'm, I'm usually right. <laughs> okay, girl. I'm usually right. Uh-huh. Right? But I never throw it in people's face. But it's also it's just like I know more than other people. Okay. Or that mm-hmm. I'm bossy. Mm-hmm, or that mm-hmm. I'm assertive. Mm-hmm. Or that it's my way or the highway. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no. I've done the research. Mm-hmm. I've heavily looked at, mm-hmm. you know, this from all certain matter, from mm-hmm. all particular angles and outcomes. Mm-hmm. And based upon my calculus, I've deduced that this is the best 
course of action forward. Well, this is geometry. You know, I look at it really mathematically, but Mm -hmm. people can sometimes not see that. Further, um, I would also say that secondarily, my other, you know, to answer your question is that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like my procrastination really gets in the way in terms of being a vice. I will sometimes admit that I'm my biggest inner saboteur. Oh, yeah. In that um, when there are things that I don't want to deal with Mm -hmm. or things that are... um, not pleasurable or require me to do some work or that are mm-hmm. unpleasant, mm-hmm. I will hold them off until the very fucking last minute. And mm-hmm. sometimes I'll even let the deadline pass. No, no. Uh, that's because I procrastinate. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. one thing I really need to work on within myself. Okay. Well, I have another question for you. Mm-hmm. This is from the Robin, Robert, Robin Roberts <laughs> interview with Jesse Smollett. Oh, I thought you were going to say R. Kelly. In 2017. Oh, okay. Wait. Okay, so I'm, not so, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Oh. In 2019. Oh, okay. I okay. just hit the wrong number. Oh, okay, sorry. And she she asked him, "Were you in fear for your life?" Now, I'm going to adapt my question mm-hmm. to fit you. Mm-hmm. Was there ever a time where you were in fear for your life? Um. Yes. When? Do you feel comfortable sharing? I won't go into the full detail of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to save that for my whole. Oprah Winfrey whole segment. Okay. For real. Okay. But there was a time right before I graduated from college, um, and the people in my life know the story, but I wasn't cognizant of the fact that my life was in danger. Mm-hmm. And looking back on it, I realized that I probably should have died that night. Oh. Yeah. And if my brother was not there, if my friend Trina was not there, then, yeah, I probably would have died that night. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so, I'm sorry. I'm going to get too deep. Uh-huh. I mean, I was just trying to, like, make fun of Jesse, but you got deep. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can't remember a time that I was in fear of my life mm-hmm. per se, like, imminently. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a time um, in high school, mm-hmm. I was a senior, and we had all gone to prom, mm-hmm. and there used to be this club called Shampoo, and it was a Memorial Day weekend in Philly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They used to have, they used to have Sunday No yeah, School Mondays, really... where oh. all the teens would go Ooh, no, man. for the club. And I was mm-hmm. in high school, I was 18. Mm-hmm. And me and my girlfriend, Sheree, Turquoise, Tanya, <laughs> all drove with me in one car. Mm-hmm. And my girlfriend, Ian, her boyfriend, Keith, and some of his friends drove in another car. Mm-hmm. And the weekend before, there was like this whole beef and fight with our rival high school. Mm-hmm. And the weekend after was our prom that mm-hmm. we went to the club before we all usually would go down to the shore mm-hmm. to, you know, party up. Mm-hmm. And we went to the club. Everything was cool. Mm-hmm. We went to Denny's. We was eating. <laughs> no, man. They raised <laughs> And when we left Denny's, mm-hmm. like, this car came out of nowhere, like, in a convertible swinging bats. And like trying to attack my friend Keith what? and my girlfriend yes. Deanne. And I had like these other three girls in my car. Uh-huh. And it was super, super scary. But like they basically followed us from the club and like tried to attack us based upon a fight that happened the week before oh, and wow. all this beef. Yeah. But like I was, I was, I mean, I was in fear of the life of my friends because mm-hmm. I saw them like, you know, like had a, they, it was a high speed chase down mm-hmm. the highway. There was sparks going everywhere. Mm-hmm. There was like, I was calling her on the phone. I hear that there's gunshots. Oh, and it was, just, it was very, very scary, mm-hmm. very dramatic. And it was the talk of the school the entire next week. And mm-hmm. we were so young. Ooh, yeah, and it was super, super scary. Mm-hmm. But, like, 
I was in fear for my friend, mm-hmm. and I wanted to go help her, but I wasn't going to be that crazy white girl that goes helps her and ends up being the one dying. Yeah. And I also had my three other friends in the car, mm-hmm. and they were like, nah, bitch, we're not going nowhere. We're not doing that. And it was just, it was, it was probably the one time that mm-hmm. was like super, super crazy in my mm-hmm. life where I kind of feared for my life because mm-hmm. I wanted to act, but I couldn't in good conscience act. Okay. While protecting my three other girlfriends. Gotcha. Which gotcha. I, sorry. Mm-hmm. All right, what's your question to me? Okay, so my next question for you is if you could give a two-hour impromptu lecture on any subject, what mm-hmm. would it be? Oh, my God, really? Mm-hmm. Impromptu? Yes, on Okay, the so spot. like on the spot, mm-hmm. something that I have a deep knowledge of. Yes. I think that the lecture would be highly dependent on the audience. So are no. you going to dictate the audience? No, no, for me it would be. Really? Yeah, because I think that when you're giving a lecture and you're disseminating information, mm-hmm. um, you really want to tailor that information or you want to think about how that information is best going to impact um, your audience. So, for example, mm-hmm. um, there was this great, great speaker that we had tried to come, that we tried to have come to LaSalle University. His name is Tim Wise, and he was a white man who spoke okay. on uh, uh, white privilege and patriarchy okay. and racism. Mm. And I found that white audiences... Ooh, well, Sean King may be white, we don't know. <laughs> but I found that white audiences were much more receptive to a white man telling them about their privileges mm-hmm. than a black person, mm-hmm. right? Because when white people speak about racism, mm-hmm. it comes with a certain level of legitimacy, mm-hmm. despite the fact that they've never actually experienced right, it. Right, right, right. But what I would talk to, particularly to a black audience mm-hmm. about, is the intersectionality of being both black and gay in America, if you're anything less than this macho, hyper masculine man, yeah, yeah. then you must be feminine. Mm-hmm. And to be feminine is to be less than. Okay. So I would kind of have a speech or a lecture about that to that audience. So I think that my audience, first and foremost, would be straight black men. Mm-hmm. And I would want to talk to them trade. <laughs> about the experiences of gay men mm-hmm. and the experiences of masculinity. But I think the most necessary conversation for us to have in our community is black ma- is man to man, but black gay men to black straight men. So my next question to you mm-hmm. is from Diane Sawyer that she asked of Caitlyn Jenner in her interview oh after she transitioned. Uh-huh. And it was, well, when did you first know? And I'm not, I know that you're not a trans, per, not trans not. person, right. but I'm going to adapt the question to be, when mm-hmm. did you first know you were gay? So I think I knew I was different for a while. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was definitely before the age of 10 because I knew we, we moved when I was 10. So mm-hmm. it was definitely before that because so, we were in like our old, our old place. Fast forward, I was about, I was in the sixth grade and I had this, um, you know how they assign you seats and you sit like in alphabetical order mm-hmm. since you're like in. So in our school district, we combined schools at fourth grade. Mm-hmm. And so from fourth grade until basically graduation, um, this one girl sat in front of me the entire time we were in school. And so from fourth grade to like 12th grade, mm-hmm. we used to pass notes back and forth. Mm-hmm. And so she wrote this note, and she was like, something's going on. I noticed a difference in you mm-hmm. or whatever. And so I wrote on this note in the sixth grade, and we were in our, I think it was language arts class. And so I wrote, I don't know, I think I might be gay. Mm. And as I was going to pass it to her, the um, overhead speaker came on, 
and they were calling her to the office to be checked out for the day. Okay. And so that was a sign to me, don't tell anyone. Right. And so I kind of internalized that moment for like a long time right. in my life. And so I think that I knew very early on, but I just didn't want to tell anyone or address it. I didn't know I was gay because I didn't have the language to know what that was. Right, right, right. But I knew I was different from the other boys mm-hmm. around like age 8, 9, 10. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. By like 11, I knew I was gay. Okay. Because then they had the language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind yeah. of the same. All right. What's yeah. your question of me? My next question of you is, what is one problem that you realize is a first world problem, but you're still annoyed by it anyway? I think a first world problem that most affects me, maybe it's just because of the place I am now, Mm -hmm. today, presently, with regard to health. I'll call the doctor because I have a cold or a sniffle that's lasted too long, Mm -hmm. or some ingrown hair inside my nose or something. (laughs) Yeah, that was nasty. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) I take for granted that I can call the doctor. Mm -hmm. When I call the doctor, like, you can't get an appointment for three weeks. Mm, I'm bitching or I'm moaning. What kind of insurance you got? Well, I got decent insurance, but it's like, you know, know, at the doctor's office, Mm -hmm. how many times have I texted you from the doctor's office? Like, I'm waiting this long. You know, those are the things I hate. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think that the most like damning first world problems like mm-hmm. access to health care and adequate oh, health care. Okay. Well, my first world problem is when they run out of two percent milk at Starbucks. Oh, stop. I'm like, That's the blue one. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm like, I hate everything else. This is whole milk? I can't drink this. You need to take this back. I feel like that chick on Sex in the City when she's like, This is not non fat. Well, my last and final question for uh-huh. you, I hate that it's from a white man, but it's so be it. Well, it's from Peter Thiel. He's the a CEO of PayPal. <laughs> okay. And something he asks people that he often interviews is, tell me something true that almost no one agrees with you on. That America sucks. Well, I agree with you. So there you go. Well, a lot the of people bump. don't. Because, okay. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't travel and they're not very worldly. And so we in America... You know, we think that we're the shit and we mm-hmm. do everything the best and that we are the leaders of the free world, basically. And you can have someone who is from Alabama with, and I hate to pick on the South because I'm, from from, I'm from the South, mm-hmm. but you have someone from Alabama, Mississippi, Vermont, with right. no teeth no job no education no education and they think they are the hottest shit in the fucking world whereas you have people who live in europe speak three four languages have a passport like these people people from the u.s don't even like travel only 33 percent of americans have a passport yeah and it's like you know we can have nothing but we think we're everything you know there's just there's certain basic things that we mm-hmm. just don't have mm-hmm. And um, it is to our detriment as yeah. a nation, yeah. globally. Yeah, because if you look at any other country, you know, people speak multiple languages. They travel. They're experienced to, you know, things mm-hmm. that are going on in the world. And we in the U.S. are just like, I can sit in the backwoods with no mm-hmm. heat, no water, you know, and I think I'm better than you mm-hmm. because I'm American or I'm American and I'm white. That's another thing. Right. Or I'm American or, or I'm a white male. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, the world is so much bigger than your little 600 square feet hut in the middle of a nature preserve. Right. Yeah. What is the worst 
thing that you've seen happen right before your eyes? I was 16 and I just got my driver's license. Okay. So I went from permit, that mm-hmm. six month period, to like driver's license. 16? Mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. my license when I was like 14. Well, in New Jersey, it's mm-hmm. a little later. Okay. So I got my driver's license and I'm like driving with my mom and we're at this intersection mm-hmm. in Turnersville by the movie theater in the mm-hmm. old Home Depot. <laughs> and it's there's this specific. woman, no, there's this woman here who's uh-huh. like waiting to make a left uh-huh. hand turn. Uh-huh. And she has her blinker on, but she's like in the middle of the intersection. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But then there's this car that comes oh, flying wow. at maybe like, I wanna say 70 to 80 miles per hour. Oh, yeah. It hits her on her front passenger side. She spins out like four or five times. Uh-huh. His car goes flying up, twisting in the air. It was like something out of a movie. Oh, wow. Into the bushes and just mm-hmm. lands. And you see like all this dust and you see birds fly. <laughs> I just, like, I'm leaving, literally leaving the DMV. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. There's all this fluid dripping from this woman's car. Uh-huh. And I'm like, my mom's yelling at her, like, get out the car, get out the car, because she's just shaking and crying. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's gasoline yeah. and there's an accident. But that was probably the scariest thing I saw right before my eyes. Mm-hmm. Can I tell mine real quick? Go ahead. So I was in college, and my campus was really hilly. Like, it had a lot of hills. And so it was one day we were going to, um, like, the... Uh, place where the where we had band practice and stuff because mm-hmm. we had to get fitted for our band uniforms. Mm-hmm. So I was with my friends um, Ioka, Jennifer, and I think Champagne. And so his name, well, his last name was Champagne. Mm-hmm. So we called him Champagne. And so we were walking to 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 the band um, auditorium, mm-hmm. and this it was right behind the library. And this girl comes like careening down this hill mm-hmm. and she's on like rollerblades. Oh my god. And you could just look at her and you just know she's gonna fall. Bust that ass. And so she's like waving her arms, her arms are flailing. She's like high rate of speed at this point. Mm-hmm. And she literally like face plants onto the sidewalk. <sighs> and <laughs> her face like Kisses the sidewalk. Oh my god! And she's like flipping over, and then she like tumbles down this hill, and so we like rush over to her because like she literally lands at our feet, and she like sits up, mm. and, <laughs> and Mama had like scrapes all over oh her cheeks, god, her no. forehead, all her teeth in the front were gone. Uh-uh. Oh my god, it's horrible. And the first thing she says is, "What is my face bad?" Oh my god, yes, bitch, you can't feel it. <laughs> and we're like, "Ah, uh, no, no, uh, y'all not, y'all not no, right. it's okay, it's okay." Y'all not and right. her friends come like running down the hill, picking her teeth up off of the sidewalk. Wow. And she's like, "It's okay, right? It's okay." <laughs> <laughs> wow, she was in shock. Yeah, she was clearly in yeah. shock. And we were like, "Oh my god, did this just happen?" And it was like. Crazy because we kind of saw it in slow motion, but it was it was a mess. It was probably the worst thing I've seen in my life. Oh my god! Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, guys, thanks for joining us for another episode of Category Is. We hope that you guys enjoy getting to know us and our silly little questions and that you guys get a little bit of insight into who we are, some of our life experiences. Mm -hmm. Don't forget to like, rate, and most importantly, subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. SoundCloud. And be sure to write us a listener letter, a shout out. 
send us some feedback. Our email address is categoriespod at, at gmail.com. Gmail and please don't forget to like us and leave a comment. Yeah. Follow us on all things social at Category is Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and, and Facebook. Facebook. All right, guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye.